Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, and welcome to Warrior Death Show's not quite stream of thought. This is podcast format at the moment because we're in emergency mode thanks to that thing that's going around. You know, you might have heard of it. But anyway, uh, I'm Shannon, and joining me as always from across the palm at Close Mart is the Soul Doctor. What's going on, fam? I hope everybody is safe. I hope everybody is doing as well as they can be and is ready to talk about some anime. Indeed, we've gone to a new season now, so we're going to be covering some new things, no less. Although this anime that we're covering definitely has its references to some older stuff, certainly, which we'll cover soon enough. I mean, I do feel bad for it, though, um, because how do you follow a show like Keep Your Hands Off Aizoken? How do you do that? You don't, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Like maybe that should be maybe that maybe that should be a question we put to our audience actually like if there was any show from the past uh, that came that's from anime you know that could if it followed Aizoken be best in it what would it be I get the feeling that list would be very short possibly enough to fit on a bar mat or maybe a single sticky note if we're good enough yeah I mean I think as long as it's different like that's that would matter more to me like uh as a viewer it doesn't even never never uh necessarily rather have to be better but it's like i i enjoy like palate cleansers right like um that's sort of the wrong word for talking about azokin because it didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth or anything but just variety you know we've seen this sort of show now let's have a quality this kind of show and i actually think well, you know uh, what ta- i actually think i know uh, what tasty left in your mouth though doc it was easy breezy Mm-hmm. No, for sure. It was a minty freshness there. Uh, <laughs> but this is, uh, but listeners here, MAPPA's new show for the spring 2020 season um, is definitely a different kind of show. And, um, you know, like like most anime, it is referencing older anime. Um, and then, you know, if you've seen the older anime it references, you'll know that anime itself referenced even older anime. Um, we've, you know, I've talked about on here that anime tends to be a very self-referential medium. Um, and we talked about like, oh, the, the need for creators to expose themselves to different media, different kinds of stories to kind of, um, bring variety and different experiences and, you know, interesting and different kinds of, of storytelling and tropes and things like that into it. But being referential isn't necessarily bad, um, uh, and I think uh, there's a lot going on for this show, but we'll save that for when we discuss the finer points of this episode. Indeed. Uh, so this is Listener's Episode 1. I'm going to go through a little bit of the plot summary for you here as we are often once you on this show. So we start oh, wait, with whoa, something whoa, whoa, I didn't... Whoa, 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 hold on there. Um, we should say before we start that the twitter polls will be they will exist they will not oh, be yes. live because so typically this show is a live stream which we're not able to do because i don't have access to my streaming pc so you know you're listening to this uh on on demand uh on youtube or spotify or wherever um we're gonna have some polls that you can vote on after you know, uh, but usually they'll be live and we'll take their temperature live, but, but that won't be happening for, for a while. Maybe in the midst of the show, it will be restored to its full 
and rightful place. But you get to see me on on screen again, folks. Look forward to that horrifying image. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do, do we want to talk about the creatives behind the show? Um, real quick. Oh yes, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, I'm. I feel so out of the loop. I've completely forgotten our own bloody oh, format. Man, listen. But yes. Yeah. Please, please do. Please do. Every everything's a mess. Like every like schedules are out of whack. Formats are out the window. It's it's okay. So, um, yeah, like I said, this is uh, the new MAPPA show, and I don't have on hand the director for episode one, but I'll talk about the creatives sort of overseeing the series as a whole. Uh, First, we got um, the series director, uh, Hiroaki Ando, and Ando-san has directed quite a few things. Basically, like the the first thing my eye is drawn to is the entire Ajin franchise, <laughs> which I know people have um not necessarily positive feelings about. Let's just say it had a mixed reception. Um mm. he also directed um or he storyboarder. Well, you know what? That's only one episode. That's less important. Free, he was involved with Freedom. If you remember Freedom Project, that was the basically a glorified cup noodle advertisement dressed up as a mecha show, if I recall correctly. Um, I see no issue with that. Nope, totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. Um, storyboarded and was a technical director for the Tech on Kencrete movie, which is an adaptation of a great manga called Black and White. Uh, please don't make the Lionhead Studios molly new jokes <laughs> black and white <laughs> um it, it was a I, I haven't seen the movie but i just adore that manga and that manga um let's see uh here's an anime with like with the greatest disparity i think or one of the greatest disparities between the skeeviness that the title invokes in your brain and the actual skeeviness in the show which is pretty much zero tweeny witches <laughs> <laughs> It just makes you think, like, Ooh, what's going on there? Probably not something good. Uh, Is that a brat-slight doll line? <laughs> I think it's a magical girl show. Um, and uh, My God. So Ando directed a couple episodes of that. Um, something called Five Numbers. Um, directed a short in Digital Juice, which is a cool little thing. So um, Ando's been around directing stuff. Since, uh, it looks like since the early aughts, uh, if not before, and then, you know, done a lot of stuff currently with Ajin Demi-Human, and now, uh, is gracing us with his talents on listeners, but I think the head writer, uh, the person credited with series composition, is probably a man who you know, uh, or more likely to know than Ando, and that's Daisato. Daisato is uh, a prolific and well-known writer in anime. We've got the series composition for Erica 7. That's right, he wrote Erica 7 also. <laughs> so he's just playing the hits at this point. <laughs> ah, excellent pun. I like that. Well yeah. well done, Doc. Well oh, done. He's, um, got his play- he's got his playlist and he's, he's, you know, he's put all the quarters in the jukebox. 
uh, wrote Erica Seven, the scr- the the sort of he's the head writer and wrote the screenplay, or rather the script for twelve episodes, uh, and has been involved with the movies and the different kind of adaptations with that. Um, was a writer for yeah, a little show you may or may not know called Cowboy Bebop, just a minor little <laughs> blip on the anime. Oh my radar. god! Um, wrote the scripts for a number of episodes. Oh dear, I, I'm just gonna say this now, folks. As Doc is gonna keep wrestling on the, this list of you know acclaimed and brilliant anime that I personally really like. I came out of this episode of listeners, this very first one, feeling a bit cold on it. To be quite honest, so if you want to come up with the pitchforks and torches, you can't because that would be violating social distancing. Ha <laughs> ha, take that. Uh, no, you are more than welcome to do so, but uh. Yeah, I'm going to get that out of the gate now because I don't want it to be a surprise later when now that I'm learning, oh my God, this guy is actually legitimately talented and has done some amazing work in the past to boot as well. Don't I feel awkward? <laughs> We've got Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. Uh, t- I'm just gonna, I'm just going to mute you at the moment, by the way. You can keep on talking because <laughs> the less I know, the less embarrassed I'll feel when I say things later. Ten episodes of the first season, five in the second season. Uh, we've got uh, three episodes of a Woman Called Fujiko Mine. Oh fuck my life! A Macross Frontier theme song, <laughs> which is a you an interesting what? Credit. Yeah, it says insert. Wait, song was that was that lion or? Was that lion or triangular? Oh, uh, it, it, you know what? It, it, just, it doesn't even matter. Like, the fact that... You're going to keep rattling these things off, and it's just like... It's like inserting needles into me, you know? It's like playing pop-up pirate with my with my soul <laughs> here and my dignity. Uh, you you probably don't know Wolf's Reign, um, but that is an excellent show that he wrote. Seven episodes of the, the scripts, or the screenplays. We got uh, scripts for Space Dandy few episodes of each season and uh five episodes of samurai shampoo so worked with shinichiro watanabe quite a bit um worked on like really like some some incredible stuff that bandai has released over here like ghost in the shell like erica seven um and yeah there's there's other things uh like the ending song for the history of trunks oav special from dragon ball z the dudes write song lyrics i remember actually when i watched that recently um i think it was in the movie i think i went to see that in the theater and i remember seeing his name on screen for lyrics and i was like wait a minute is that another uh daisato no it's that's it's that daisato holy crap why why um oh i should mention you, you um, get- you're gonna you're gonna tell me next that he's also like you know a polymath in various other fields. Like he's also no. <laughs> a talented piano player. He's a theoretical physicist. He's a Navy SEAL. You know, just just keep going, Doc. It, it's fine. It's fine. I have to mention a friend, David Major's favorite anime. Ergo Proxy is on here. Uh, screenplay for that show, like the entire screenplay, and uh, the chief writer, uh, Daisato. Um. And there was one more thing. Oh, a couple scripts of Eden of the East. So, um, gosh, I wish I could rem- Why can I not remember the director of Eden of the East? It's the uh, same person who directed Standalone Complex. Um, it's a Mamoru Oshii sort of protege. Um, Kenji Kamiyama, I think. 
Ah, there we go. So worked with with him a lot, and as I said, Watanabe-san. So someone who's been around and put pen to paper on a whole lot of really excellent stuff. And listeners, I think it has a lot to live up to, but uh, but we'll see we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know I'm the dark horse of this show, uh, of our little podcast here, you know, with opinions and all that, but oh boy. I was just hoping you were going to tell me it was just some random, but nope. It would have to be one of the, like, you know, well-respected godfathers of modern anime. Ah, dear. Well, you know, if I'm going to be damned, I'll be damned for who I am, so let's crack (laughs) on then. (laughs) Okay, so uh, let's do a little plot recap here. And I have to say, I liked the opening uh, seconds of this show because it depicted what I always expected would happen. The end of the world as we know it through rock and roll. I mean, how can you go wrong with that as an opener to your anime? Uh, but yes, uh, we are getting the introductory moment here with a character we'll later learn is named Echo. He's our lead guy. Uh, watching a giant robot performing rock music or like at a concert, which then explodes. I mean, you know, I've seen ACDC live. They didn't really have much to you know, told to this, like, not a candle to it, to be quite honest. Um, and then we get our little title card, which is Live Forever in the Oasis font, uh, not the last Oasis reference no. we'll get, or indeed the last <laughs> musical reference we'll get here. I mean, if you thought, uh, like, you know, Araki was um, was not exactly conservative with his references to music, then just buckle up with this particular show. Um, it loves the, yeah, the uh, British rock Uh and and such like also the strobe lighting during the scene was so cool like i love the lights mm. as they were playing across the screen um when the robot was it was, it was so awesome it reminded me of like that the first scene of uh akb 0048 the um satellite show um mm. when the main character is watching her idols like do their concert and the you know much like this show the idols were musicians who also fought evil beings uh but this and she fell in love with music and you know he our our boy echo uh i don't know if he necessarily fell in love with music but certainly like things adjacent to the performance of music he who really like formed an attachment to them i think the words you're probably looking for there is spectacle because oftentimes when you go watch like large concerts there the music is certainly one part of it but I'd be lying if I said that if you, for example, went to see Kiss, that you'd be going to watch them entirely for the quality of their music. Right. You know, yeah. they put they put on a show, not a concert. And, if, and you might think, well, those are the same things, but they're not, strictly speaking. Yeah. And indeed, when I mentioned ACDC before, that was a part of the appeal of watching them when I went to Sonoma Festival, which is not the music necessarily, um, which is fine its own right if you like sure. that kind of stuff, in my opinion, but it's certainly not anything revolutionary, but just the pure, like, you know, stadium, like, rock full-blown like you know the fireworks experience. display <laughs> yeah exactly the theatrics you name it yeah uh getting and to see you know the giant bell rung during hell's bells which makes no sense from a musical <laughs> standpoint but it's fun to watch that kind of thing you know yeah and the robot i think to the spectacle but also the robot like he's 
he's kind of a like a parts junkie, as we'll find out, and it probably he's basically he's Ray from the uh, you know the Force Awakens, and well, that's all the Star Wars fans leaving this podcast right now for that comparison. It's like nope, sequel trilogy, I'm out. <laughs> Even though I actually quite like the sequel I mean, trilogy, Save yeah. the Rise of Skywalker, which I'd refuse to watch. Yeah, I haven't um, seen it yet but... either. <laughs> No, I, I I've heard enough about that particular film to I know like that I would head. I, I like both of them quite yeah, a lot. They're good. Yeah, come fight me in the street, Star Wars haters. You know, come at me, bros. Again, you'll be breaking social distancing. No, so please don't do that. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, we come to some point later in the future when Echo's a bit more grown up, still a teenager, scavenging for junk in Liverchester, which <laughs> I wrote this down. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm a Brit, folks. Right? I know that's hard to believe sometimes. That's why you hate this show. No, 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 no. I mean, I don't hate it for a start. I'm more incredulous because I mean, Liverchester, like you know, the the events that would cause Manchester and Liverpool to merge together would be the things that would perpetuate an apocalypse. Yeah, uh, bring it about. They wouldn't be the after effects of it. You know, (laughs) I mean. Like, Mancunians and Scousers have had a long, long history of hating each other, Aye. vitriolically. So, why, why do they the not idea go that with, they would... um, why did they not go with Manpool, do you think? <laughs> uh, well, Manpool's a different kind of show entirely, I will say, <laughs> yes. so uh, maybe that's for the best. Um, but yeah, um, so... We're getting Echo like scavenging through junk here and talking about how he's basically got no dreams or ambition. That's the muscle of uh, Liverchester, which, I mean, apart from the fact that Manchester and Liverpool aren't actually the same place, that is still pretty accurate to oh, what we're told over here. Wow. Especially if you're working class. Oof. Yeah, what was it like? Look down, don't look up. Pretty much, yeah. Um, but he is enamored with a lot of... Um, particular things like from the history of, of, of like what's happening with this post-apocalypse like oh there's uh you know players and equipment uh, he even has what is his version of the sports almanac from bats of the future 2 you know the oh, right. bible <laughs> you know of all the players that he's into um so you know he's scavenging junk for parts including you know working under the most male looking mayor i've seen in anime in quite some time <laughs> does he does pull that off quite well the suspenders and the yeah the dumb hat the the plastic megaphone yeah. <laughs> i thought he Pretty died much. in this episode by the way <laughs> not till after the credits do you learn he made it <laughs> i was at first no. i was like wait a minute you've killed the mayor and you're fleeing the scene of the crime no no but luckily he lived how funny would it have been if he had died by something like from something completely unrelated like a heart attack? <laughs> oh, that would, that would have been be sad. <laughs> be very It'd be sad. funny though. Uh, so, um, you know, what came to mind with what happened in this next scene, Doc, which I'll describe for you now, folks, which is um, Echo spots something shiny in the uh, junk and goes over and grabs it and falls into a pile of more junk. But amongst them is a lady. And what did you and I cover earlier this year <laughs> on a different podcast? Um, oh, what are you referring to? What are you think about it? Uh, um, this year, twenty twenty. Yes, We've... I know it's. I, I I know it's only been four months, but by God, it's been a long time. So I don't blame you for having difficulty I think we've only covered, in remembering. Have we? All, we've covered Azoken and. 
um, Jeweler Richard. Not an anime, strictly speaking. Oh, uh, Alita. Yeah, that's the first thing that popped into my head when he found uh, the. I'll give a name now, just for the sake of simplicity, because it's um, given to a later in the episode. Her name is Mew, mm-hmm. um, as in the number twelve uh, from Ooh, Greek. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This seems to happen yep. a lot. Learned... In uh... oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Go ahead. And, oh no, no. Uh, I was just saying I learned that from Blaze Blue. Actually, if this oh, is not yes. me, you know, revealing that I have a classical Greek education or anything like that, I wish I could say I did. That's but sadly that's not true. The move from Blaze Blue is who I thought of first. Um, this seems to happen quite a bit, by the way, in mecha shows where the sort of um, mysterious uh, kind of spiritual or like, um, you know, lady with hidden powers, um, very kind of dreamy, like uh, uh, otherworldly, perhaps in some ways, like Erica, of course, from Erica 7. Uh, uh, was it Nina, was she called from Gurren Lagan? They find her in a chest in, 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 in the middle of the episode, uh, like in the middle of the series. Um, the lady from Outlaw Star, they find her in like a like a tube in I think episode two. Oh, um, oh you mean River? Is that what yeah, she's I called? Yeah, Firefly joke. <laughs> no, that's the Firefly okay, joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like this is a very common, um, a common move, uh, a move we've seen before. And again, I just I just wanted to point it out just to point it out. Um, it's not like it's not a value judgment. Um, if anything, it's sort of like um, it's just a signpost for the sort of thing that we're in for story wise, like that we are firmly in, I think, the established territory mecha series wise, maybe uh, that may I don't know, it may feel a little bit more like comfort food. Um these kind of things come up that i've seen a bunch um but like unlike uh a lot of the ladies that get found um in boxes or whatever um i think that our girl moo um has has a a much different and refreshingly pleasing personality compared to um again a lot of the the ladies that get found in these shows Yep, that I will definitely agree with you on, and we'll certainly elaborate on that later. Um, so Echo takes Moo back to the Oasis pub, uh, where the special is the champagne supernova, of course. Yes. Because of course it's... By the way, I don't know if this is intentional or not. I'm going to assume it's not, because this band is definitely not British to my memory. But there is also a advertisement for the Dream Theater on the Oh, uh, they're not the British. I shows. assume they were, because it was just They such might an be, song. I can't remember... I'm going to Google I it right now. I really... Yeah, pl- please please do and fill that in because I noticed I was like, huh, fair enough then. Um, so we get a scene here in which uh, we are introduced to Echo's sister, oh, who is US not given a name. progressive metal band. That's disappointing. Come on. Yeah, there we go. I'm going to assume that that's not an intentional reference then. It's just literally they wrote the dream face without realizing. Oh, it has um, to be. No way. Like, listen, I, I don't think... No. This is... It must be then... They were going to open up the rock reference book to include, you know, other locales than the UK. Possibly, um, but we'll see. I mean, this is going to start very dangerously into the territory of seeing, like, faces in burnt toast, for example. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's be careful with that. Oh, it's you the know. Virgin Mary. <laughs> it's my dad. What's, oh the, my God. what's the title of the next episode? 
did they say it on uh, the preview? Because I can't remember. I don't think I don't think they did. I could be wrong on that. Um, place your bets now on what it'll be. I'm expecting it's going to be Park Life. That'll be my guess. Um, I want to be a dog. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Echo takes Mew back to the uh, to the pub, which is where his sister works. Uh, and as his sister has not been given a name, I'm just going to call her Echo. Nah, not really. That's too difficult. Um, we'll just call Echo's sister. Um, and they're looking over Mew, finding out what's going on. And it's at this point that she's revealed to be a player. And I'm sorry, but I could not take this term seriously Aww. whatsoever. Because I kept thinking of it as player as in like someone who crawls bars, for example, and chats to women. You know, like player... Or possibly also as <laughs> video game player. Like from now on. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, but that term, and I'm going to discuss oh, this in the talking point later. The sister's name is Swell. So she's Swell Wreck. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Uh, okay, I'll give him that. That's pretty cool. So, um, so it turns out she's a player. Uh, and no, that's not a reference to something out of a hip-hop uh, lyric, I should stress. Uh, but rather, she has inbuilt audio equipment and a jack on the back of her spine. Uh, this results in a comedy moment, and I say comedy with the loosest possible meaning of it, because I found this scene grating. I was like, oh, f- I, I really don't care for this com- kind of comedy, and I will explain why later, where Echo is marveling at her hole, and just like they have in the books. <laughs> in the book. uh, now, he is... Now he's not referring to he's not referring to that specific hole, if you know what I mean. He is referring to the one on her back. And no, I'm not referring to that one either. I'm referring to the one on her spine that's meant to be a giant audio jack. But yeah, I ugh, this I'll talk about it later. Uh, nonetheless, uh, they're looking over, and Mew of course wakes up and punches him out. Uh, deserved, I would say. Uh, any hole, you know, is something you shouldn't be staring at, to be quite honest. Especially not in that manner. Especially not lifting up her skirt. Don't lift or, up the you know, sheets. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Uh, but then, uh, Mr. Mayor, you know, the most mayor mayor that ever mayored in mayor of ever, you know, uh, he turns up and starts complaining that a player has turned up to his bar in the same way that I think that people complain that witches turn up to pubs as well. Because that's the mood I got from this. Oh, totally. I <laughs> like, have this as a note, yeah. like about the, the comparison. Um, yeah. I also just I'm wanted glad, to point I'm out glad... that uh, the mayor has his PhD, Shadon. His oh, uh, player hating degree. <laughs> Was that an honorary one? I don't think he needed to go and have any formal education in that. Um, but yeah, he is reacting to her in the same way that, you know... People react to witches basically like, you know, get out of my town. You bring nothing but trouble. Yep. Even though you fight the trouble that, you know, cut right, really causes problems for us. Uh, which I think is revealed at this point to be the earless who are like fuzzy black shapes with actual ears, confusingly enough. Um, that, by the way, is all we learn the moment about the earless. And I'm actually okay with that, as you mentioned before, about how, you know, not everything needs to be revealed up front. We'll learn about this in time. Uh, and indeed, sometimes it's actually to a story's benefit not to necessarily even go that deeply into its world-building details, if that's not the point of it. We are only into episode one, of course, so we'll see about that. Uh, but anyway, um, what was Swell, as, it, as you say, mm-hmm. like, she intervenes, though, with what I will credit this show as some very nice-looking anime beer. Very as, good. you know, an alcohol connoisseur myself, uh, myself, I would definitely, you know, give that a drink if it, uh, I had one of them. Um, 
So the maze is distracted by the sweet siren song of alcohol while the uh, Echo and Mew go upstairs and they start talking about what's going on in the world and also this is where we get another comedy moment quote-unquote where I... <laughs> well... Look, she look, thought he was going to pull it down. <laughs> well, oh. I mean, it was fair to say that Echo wanted to show her his junk. Yeah. <laughs> See, you know I'm right. I really, that's no, not even an accurate. That's not even an accurate assessment of the, of what's happening here. I, I I liked both of these moments. I thought that they were act- were c- cleverly written enough for me to be funny. At at least, like more effort seemed to be put into the writing them than is typically done i felt that with this kind of comedy in anime i enjoyed these and they were they were both very small and were over almost immediately i unfortunately disagree although i will also state this point that they in no way ang- like actually angered me i just felt Bleh by them like you know tired even a little bit i mean it's all entirely in his echo's part which is a good thing i should stress like there's so many times when it you know you would have a different male character in his shoes who would actually be completely aware of the uh you know the sexual comedy at play here and he'd be like no i didn't really mean i didn't mean that but uh, 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 uh. Yeah, whereas he's I, I just think, like completely not so, yeah i think uh, that's uh, part of it. it that's part of what i appreciate about it is like he like echo is is so innocent like he's just not a lech at all like the joke is on uh really us the audience for for thinking that and of course moo reacts to it as any as we would as the audience would but like echo is just such a such a babe in the woods when it comes to these situations um Hmm. that i i felt like that kind of innocence like uh, helps the scene from descending into actual kind of yucky territory um, to where it was like all oh, silly like this is a misunderstanding and again it was resolved so quickly yeah I'm still not really hot all that hot on it myself but I'll elaborate on that later because it ties into a wider problem I have with this episode as presented thus far anyway uh, so the main thing that we get from this particular discussion between the pair of them is that Echo has been building a piece of equipment uh, what is equipment, you might ask, because uh, it's actually a proper noun in this show. It is an amp, uh, basically for a guitar. However, this amp will turn into a giant robot if plugged into a player. Uh, it will assume it's gig form, no less. Ha-ha. You know? So, <laughs> the, take note of all the terminology that's being thrown out here, because that's something else I'll be discussing uh, when we get to the talking points as well. Um, so, Luckily, it's all not like, like, like made-up words. You know what I mean? It's words no, it's we not, all... No, it's not... We all it's know... It's not neologisms. Yeah, and we can, like, kind of uh, at least guess at, uh, partially at their function based on them being words that we know and use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually think that's somewhat to the show's detriment, but I will explain again later when we get to that point. Um, but anyway, uh, so... Mew is basically all on board with this. Like, she says, hey, look, right, why don't we take this out for a test run and go defeat the Earless? You know, go fight them off. And Echo's like, nah. Nah. I'm I'm good. Just gonna chill, you know, here and root through the junk and all that. You know, the the Earless don't really attack here. I don't really want to leave town. I've got no aspirations and all that. I mean, I'm just a regular dude. I can't be a player's partner. Um, whereas I think the word he's actually looking for, and I suspect the role he will fun- uh, fulfill in the end is as a roadie, or the equivalent thereof in this show. 
Um, but anyway, uh, so he'll maybe be running sound. With this because <laughs> he'll be more than a runner. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, he'll be he'll be doing all of it. The D, yes, he'll he'll get a hang on it eventually. Um, but Mew decides to leave, and in doing so, unfortunately, Echo's junk uh, breaks. Ha ha ha! No. <laughs> oh no, my junk. Amp. Yep. Uh, so Swell actually sees Mew out and gives her some money to go get a train out of town the following morning, saying that, remarking in a way that I think he's meant to discuss the actual full uh, situation rather than just the jukebox he's working on, that this can't be fixed. Um, but, you know, we get to the following morning after they've all parted, and wouldn't you know, uh, Echo was wrong. The Earless are indeed attacking. They have come to take out the... Um, what is it, the Statue of Admonishment? Which yes. I'm fairly certain is a musical symbol. I don't it recognize is. it myself. It yep. Um, it's, it is a musical note, and it's... ten. Was it ten years ago that they that it was erected because all the music stopped and the message of admonishment was what we heard in the beginning, was like, stop dreaming. No one have aspirations look down not up like you're all ordinary human trash like don't try to live beyond a, that a boot stamping on a human face forever mm-hmm. is all well if you wrote. just keep your nose to the grindstone and work then we'll all stay out of trouble that kind of nonsense mm-hmm. so the earless do indeed attack the town um poor liverchester you know having all these natural disasters where giant fuzzy black mice attack them bit unfortunate um so Echo decides to go run and find Mew and actually take the fights then. Like, he has a change of heart, essentially. And indeed, you know, he manages to catch up to well, it, but he car- falls. I would say it's less that he has a change of heart in terms of, like, fighting the bad guys and more like he's concerned for, for is it Mew or New? Mew. Okay, with the Mew is number 13. Mew. Um, Mew. Uh, yeah, he's... Um, uh, concerned for Mew. Um, more so than, like, thinking... He'll take the fight to them, I think. But I mean, I don't know. Actually, that could be because uh, Swell does say, hey, you're going to need this. At first, I love that she's like, don't go, little bro. Wait a minute. No, you have to. We, You guys are the only ones that can do this. You're right. So he does sort of go and uh, with with the amp in hand. Um, and mm-hmm. I feel like, well, I, I feel like that there's further change that happens in his character during the fall but i'll talk about that but like but yeah again i i i would i the way i was reading it i'll say is that like it was more about helping Moo than actually like swashbuckling and fighting and doing danger stuff oh no yeah Um, yeah but anyway please proceed Mm -hmm. so he does as you say manage to catch up to her but then falls uh through a hole in the junk pile just beneath the monument um the statue and during this incredibly long falling sequence and it's funny that you mentioned that uh, Daisasa wrote Cowboy Bebop uh, because that theme you know when um, Spike is falling from the church was playing in my head while this was happening always um, <laughs> always the green bird and, uh, and always yeah green bird you know um like he mentions like you know no I I don't want to die I, there's so much I can still do like he from being incredibly apathetic earlier in the uh, show's run, in fact, the previous evening in the show's actual like time frame, uh, he's now had a complete change of heart that because of, he's faced his own mortality. Um, Mew comes in and makes the save though, and they hook up, uh, you know, his equipment to her. <coughs> Sorry, um, and giant robot time. Yeah, you know? giant. 
And I'll credit this, like, I actually like the visual design of this robot because it's very simple and very basic, which makes sense given, like, this is something that he put together from bits and bobs he found in this junkyard. Yep. Like, it's not going to be, like, the most impressive thing off the bat. It looks so cool, and... though. I really like the way it looks. I love the design um, of the I robot. And I like the design of the um, earless also, that uh, especially the effects, the sort of... It almost looks like torn paper or burning flame at the edges of their skin, their, uh, of their bodies, rather, that are... Besides, their hands have those very definite outlines, but, like, this almost, quote-unquote, fur, like, is sort of always rippling or flaming around the edges of the their torso and, and limbs and legs, and I thought that looked really neat. Mm. Yeah, they look they look all right. I... I'll, I'll discuss it all later because it's all kind of like the, going towards the same point when I get to it. But anyway, uh, so they do manage to fight off the airless, including with one giant uh, refreshing minty blast that takes everything out because green's the colour here. Um, and after that, that's basically it. They decide to leave leave town after the mayor gives them, you know, a little speech saying, hey, you know what? There used to be dreamers like you all around here. Um, so... They're on the. They're going on a road trip, basically now. You yeah. know, they're going uh, touring, which I suppose <laughs> yeah. is the correct term for this. Uh, so, in the credits, actually, uh, like as they play, uh, the episode continues. So the mayor does indeed survive, uh, and he mentions Ooh. a gentleman named Jimmy Stonefree, and <laughs> I was like, oh my name. god, <laughs> so good, Jimmy Stonefree, because Stone- <laughs> Stonefree, of course, was a song by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Uh, I have a very strong suspicion that Jimmy Stonefree is the gentleman who we see in the flashback oh, uh, at the very start. Uh, I, I definitely know that's a case, uh, 100%. <laughs> if you look on the mouth yeah. page and you go to his character, there he be. Now that's cheating, Doc. Well, I Are to you get a game fax user? Listen, no. I'm... Are you a game fax user? I want the Do you look up LPs? Maybe. That might happen. You dirty casual, oh. honestly. Yeah. And it, you know, there's... are you going to are you go, are you going to watch a speed run of listeners in order to like you know understand how to you know get the most out of it? Well, I will tell you this for free also that uh, Jimmy Stonefree is voiced by uh, June Fukuyama. Um, oh shit! Who's great? Uh, who's superb? Also, uh, the one of the ladies that in in his uh, almanac, for lack of a better word, in in Echo's book that he talks about is. Uh, Bill and Valentine, and I know that she's not just going to be a picture that we see that one time because she's got you know Nana Mizuki credited with voice acting her, so she will be whether it's in flashback or in the current time, like she'll have a voiced role, and we'll see more of her. Fair play. All right then. Yeah, um, there's actually a whole like load of characters introduced in the. Um... I think in the credit sequence, sorry, now I'm getting mixed up with Eureka 7, actually, which I just watched earlier. Ugh, ignore me, sorry, apologies. So, yeah, um, they get sent on their way, but then we are introduced to three shadowy figures, and I was like, oh, I'm so glad that Yoko Taro guest directed this scene. Because <laughs> we've got 9S, we've got 2B, and we've got A2 piloting their own, you know, giant robots. They are called uh, Ein, Zindi, and Stur, respectively. Ein... Ein, Zindi, and Stur. Mm-hmm. All with the surname um, New Balton. I have no idea what that means right now, but I'm sure that's we'll a see. reference to something. <laughs> we'll be, but we will, we will find out. They were definitely uh, they... Yorha, I'll just say. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the most Yorha shit ever. Um, 
put a note in that because that's going to be part of my criticism of the entire episode, believe it or not, but we'll get to that soon enough. Um, otherwise, that's pretty much it. They mention, we found you. And I'm presuming by which, like, I wish there was a comedy shot of them looking at, like, the last remaining McDonald's on Earth or something like that. But <laughs> the, that's, yeah. that's not, that's the not what we got, unfortunately. And and that's the episode. Uh, Echo and Muir on, you know, a train traveling to parts unknown to uh, go fight the Aeolus somehow, whatever, however that'll be. But again, first episode, they'll figure that out in time, no doubt. Right. So, that concludes our discussion. Let's go to talking points. Uh, Doc, I'm going to chuck this over to you firstly. Uh, sure. So, um, I I thought that the show had a really um, sort of easily legible thematic through line uh, this episode. Uh, and that was like Echo's kind of... <laughs> Journey is such a, a word I don't want to use because that like there's a lot of uh there's like a lot of time and length implied in that, but like we see that he has all this baggage, right, in the beginning, that he's been told his whole life not to dream. Um to only work and eke out a living, and that's the the best and only way to live. Uh you know, even the dudes watching the robot fight on the jukebox are reprimanded by the mayor because you know, oh, you you're gonna stir up trouble. Like, um, you're gonna you're gonna rebel. Or TV rots your brains. Be fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, no, none of that wrestling. It's bad for you. It's bad for your mind and your soul, your eternal soul. Um, so yeah, he has been like that. That is a message that he has played and largely accepted up to this point. Except, you know, he has his little dream, right? Um. But it's not a dream in the way that like we think of dreams, really. It's like when when we think of like a dream that we have, we think of like a, something we want to accomplish or do or a, like achieve or have. But he like it's less of like a dream in that sense and more of like he is like content to live kind of far removed uh, and have secondhand exposure to to greatness and great things and, and actually doing things in the world. Um, he like is like you said, tested when Moo tells him, Hey, let's go. <laughs> like you showed me your cool um, equipment and you told me what it's for. I'm a player. All the pieces are here we we can go now and he's like well actually this dream is really just about thinking about it like i i get my like little pleasure and satisfaction from just thinking about how neat all that stuff is but actually making changes in the world and and doing something and leaving and really growing is too hard and it's not what we're supposed to do i've been told it's dangerous and because of like the disruptive presence in his life of moon um and him you know he he meets her and, and quickly like she's someone that he like takes a liking to like cares about um in some way enough to where like if she's in the line of fire and she's in danger he's gonna go and save her um mm -hmm. but then when he does that you know, that's that's a big step, him going out there and going after everything, uh, attacking Moo. But 
But I think even then, he feels like he's going to go and watch. He's going to go and make sure she has the equipment and be off at a distance. But then he has a near-death experience, right? Um, And that activates him. Like, he, in that moment, like, realizes, hey, I don't want to simply exist at a distance from my dream and see other people do things like... I actually want to do them. I want to be the one to change things. Like, I want to grow. I want to live and experience more than what I've been given. And then he has a chance to, and he joins up with Moo, and they make beautiful music together uh, and form this robot and have this incredible action sequence. But just that whole... I, I actually really enjoy the idea here of, like the show saying it's not enough to get pleasure from thinking about your goals. Like it's that that actually doesn't do anything or make any change or produce any results. Like that may be kind of comforting for you Hmm. in, in the moment. Right. It's very safe. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very it is safe. You are you are at a very safe distance, but like actually taking risks and doing things like is a big it's a it's a step from that. Like especially someone who's been conditioned to think and feel like Echo, but like it's a necessary step to like to grow up to um to like sort of fully activate your humanity and be be a change agent and like not even that but like just to to make things better and like to move things forward and improve your situation and help other people it takes more than like again just ruminating on like cool stuff like you actually have to get out there and make the cool stuff happen and i actually really like the like I enjoyed the uh, sort of epiphany moment. Like, I think, you know, I I do think like a near-death experience is a pretty valid way to introduce a drastic change in thinking. Um, And when we saw like Canute in um, Vinland Saga have such a huge about face, like so quickly, um, I think like, I mean, the show isn't, like the stakes are not nearly that high and the emotional tension isn't, isn't up to that level yet or anything. But, um, but we do get that kind of like near death experience again. And again, I think then it's fair play to have him like have, uh, um, an exponential kind of boost for his, Hmm. uh, you know, we don't have to have a bunch of episodes of him kind of figuring this out. It's like, he, all the pieces were there in his mind. It just took that really profound experience to like push him over the edge and, and put him together and say like, you know, you got to get green birded. That's the thing. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, Oh my God. Yeah. Like I have to like start living my life. Like what, what am I doing? Like my existence has just really been like to be this passive being. And I don't want to necessarily like get into Heidegger or Heideggerian theory, but he he actually talks about like sort of human life before and after your first encounter with death. 
and like how existence in terms of like real self-reflection and like thinking about being and thinking about existence in a real metaphysical way like all that doesn't really start until you had an encounter with death and just on a like Mm. real sort of basic level that i feel like that's happening here and i really really dug that Hmm. all right and my response to that the irony is i've just realized we've also not done our patron questions which we should do but funnily enough answering those questions will help me respond to your point in turn what i will say firstly doc is I agree with your sentiment, but I don't think the episode executes on that properly um, or sufficiently enough for me to actually really get behind Echo's journey in this particular like first 24 minutes of the show's run. And to answer why that is for me personally, uh, it now falls to us to talk about um, our patron questions. And we have two of them. Uh, one of them firstly comes from Kate Rose. And Kate's question is, what are your biggest hopes and fears for this show? Now, I'm not going to lie here when I answer this question firstly. (laughs) No, it wasn't. (laughs) That was was completely unintentional. Um, So I'm not going to lie here. Like, when I saw, like the art for listeners and what i believed it was about i made the mistakes i've made so many times when i'm getting previews of anime which is i have a wildly different preconception of what they'll end up being about as opposed to what they actually are i didn't even realize there was going to be any giant robot stuff in this i never saw the pv for this for example or the trailer i thought it was going to be road trip anime where we go and play music at places and like meet people and like have individual stories uh so that's my fault by the way you should like over the years, I have found that going in blind with no expectations is like the best way to do this. It really, it really is. But I suppose you also can't really help it. Like when you, there's always to be some amount of preconception you will bring to the table. Like, yeah. And yeah, especially if you know like a person working on it. Uh huh. So my hope for it was we were going to get something like that because uh, i thought hey that sounds like a neat idea i like this mm. it's a very basic premise but it works and here's the thing i think the premise as written does still work um but the biggest fear i have for this show is that it currently to me hasn't put enough meat on the bone with regards to its character drama for it to really hit home for me like i get exactly what you're saying there with uh like echo's journey in this episode but i think that I don't think it worked for me, and I'll tell you why, and this funnily enough leads into our second question, but actually, before we get to that, I'll let you uh, fire off to Kate's, uh, fire off an answer to Kate's uh, question firstly, Doc. Oh, I guess, so my biggest hopes and fears, um, well, I guess, like, my biggest fear is that maybe the show, well, so our fear is that the show does kind of just play in the sandbox of the things it's referring to and not kind of try to do its own thing. Um, I don't, I don't see uh, like a ton of evidence for that happening. I mean, there's a lot of visual similarities to Erica seven. Um, and, and th- you know, there's a lot of, there, there are some similar beats for sure, but, um, but I'm hopeful, uh, you know, it's, it's one episode. So <clears throat> I think, for for me, sufficient groundwork for the characters has been laid. Like I like both of the, I like all three. I mean, I don't know how much swell is going to be in the show going forward, but she ruled. Uh, I like Echo. 
um, because I kind of feel called out by him in some ways and his way of, of living up to like his sort of uh, only kind of wanting like I don't think of myself as a trash person and only look down, don't look. It's not that severe, but like you could maybe go like one or two octaves up. And if a character was saying like, I only want to live. Oh, that nice. Yeah. Hey, I'll I'll keep, I'll try to keep it up. Um, like a a character could only be saying, I just want to live a comfortable life. And it's, it struck a similar note to me of like someone who, um, taking real action in the world was like too much, too risky. Um, and I and also am a fan of like again characters who have these messages dumped into their brain at childhood and kind of are trying to escape them because I personally identify with that. Um, and I mm. thought that like yeah, to to me there was enough there to get behind them. Um, and I'm I, I am I don't think that there's any big reason right now for me to fear like oh this is just going to be Erica Seven full stop. Um, you know, it. I, I think, you know, the fact that uh, Daisato wrote it, I guess, you know, you could have that fear. Um, but surely he's thinking, this can't. I can't just write the same thing again. <laughs> My hopes for the show is that it will. As a sub Hiko Araki, but hey, there we go. Uh, <laughs> my my hopes for the show is that it just kind of keeps building on this foundation that it lays, and and uh, I, I'm fine with it telling a familiar story. Um, you know, I feel like I just want it to. Um, I want it to tell it in its own way, and I want these two characters to um, get their due. Uh, I know that there is going to be a much larger cast introduced. Like the character page is really big, <laughs> uh, so hopefully, you know, everybody gets uh, sufficient time that's warranted. And hmm. I actually have a lot of confidence in Daisato as a writer, so I'm hmm. actually not. Um, I'm, I'm not. T- I'm not super worried. Uh, I I like where the show is at, and. Um, and yeah, I just uh, I'm I'm super into uh, Moo. I love that her like this is not to slag off Gurren Lagan or Erica Seven at all, but I love the fact that Moo is a little fireball. Um, sorry, Little is probably very... derisive. I didn't mean it that way, but I love that she is um, she is just so spunky and up for the fight and wants to get shit done, and is not like a kind of lilting flower or uh like tee hee hee yeah. i need your help like she's uh she she seems like it's a quite badass noble, actually when you say that it's quite noble when you say that actually that i forgot to mention that uh, mew does have amnesia this the battle angel elisa reference was oh, not yes. entirely without merit <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. um, um but the thing i liked um and was to her credit as a character was that she recognizes she has it she's like oh whatever i'll just Get on with it, you know. I know what I need to do. I'm not going to dwell on the small details yes. right now. Maybe they'll become relevant later. Yes. So that was definitely that to was her credit. Great. I, I I agree. Yeah. To address something you said though, Doc, like about the idea of foundation, I actually have the opposite pro- problem where I I'm worried that because I've personally felt we didn't get enough foundation here, which I will make apparent in a little while as to why I think that. That I fear now with them literally leaving Echo's hometown that we won't get the necessary fleshing out that I feel uh, it needed. Now, we are probably going to disagree heavily on that, um, and we'll come to that in time, you know. I'm going to get out the boxing gloves, you get out the knives, you know, it'll be yeah. like the Anchorman fight. 
Um, you know, choose choose your weapon, choose your warrior. I don't think um, I don't think we need but, to stay in the hometown to to get more uh, into. Echo, I'm, you know I'm not. I mean? Oh no! Oh no! No no! I'm not. I'm not saying they need to stay, but rather, I think that the prime opportunity for some of the foundation that I feel is missing is now gone because they have left. I, I'm saying that there should be more done in this episode to flesh that out, and I will elaborate why when we get to our next patron question. Because, funnily enough. Uh, answering this question actually helped <laughs> help me get in my um, thoughts together on why I had such a difficult time thinking of this episode as anything more and just kind of, it's all right. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, the next question, this one comes from Emily Rand and says, what do you think of the Eureka 7 comparisons? And do you think Daisato will be able to tell this story within the given time frame? So I was today years old when I started watching Eureka 7. <laughs> I'm very, very happy to admit that because I didn't want to simply come into this question by going, I've never seen it, so sorry. Um, which I actually think is probably a good way of doing it because funny enough, you have seen all of Eureka 7, I believe. Oh yeah, it's um, it's really, really good. I mean, it's... um, It's like 50 episodes as well, isn't it? It is. And, it's a long show. And there's a sequel show that I don't think people feel uh, erica 7 ao I, I don't think people feel that's essential viewing um they didn't call it erica 8 oh God no damn. no it was so AO. easy it was gift wrap for them there's also some movies that are like that play with the con- i don't know exactly how they fit into the continuity so i think the newer ones might be retellings and the older ones might be sequels oh so oh so um <laughs> so macross uh false songstress and wings goodbye style no that kind no, of thing not quite um, oh right. I, I don't i am not well versed enough to know exactly i mean it could it could be but i don't i don't think that's it um yeah i i don't know uh well write in and let us know uh i should have probably read that before but the tv series i'm familiar with although i haven't seen it in uh about 10 years so some of the specifics are uh Again, those nootropics, then you know, get your brain pills yeah, in. Time to use to start remembering, Doc. I gotta um, get Paul but here's the thing, right? on the line and get me some more pills. <laughs> nah, you know, you might as well swallow snake oil instead. <laughs> anyway, um, the reason I'm bringing that up is because we're actually well positioned here because I have only seen the first episode of Eric Seven or Eureka Seven or whatever Seven, you know, S Club Seven. I don't fucking care. Um, and I think that makes it like really good for me to be able to draw a one-to-one comparison between the first episode of that show versus this one, and where I think Erica Seven succeeds, where listeners episode one fails, and that's mostly around how Renton is portrayed uh, versus how Echo is portrayed. It's the because it's made very clear. <laughs> well, there's that. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily, you know, say that giant hovering surfboard mechs is a, you know, that wins. Yeah. That yeah. wins easily. <laughs> I mean, okay giant like robot performing a gig that destroys the world that's pretty out there that's pretty metal don't it's get good. me wrong but surfboarding robots by default i mean how how can you beat that how can you stop i, I think that? those are designed um, by shoji kawamori as well that does not actually surprise me in the slightest now that you've told me that that's that's like revealing to me suddenly that gravity is a downward constant <laughs> downwards force like holy shit like if Karamori's going to design anything, it's going to be mechs or fighter jets or mech mm-hmm. fighter jets. I mean, if you ask Karamori to design, like, you know, a coffee machine and it, uh, it turns out, or it transforms into, a, like, a little drone and you are shocks at that, you're an idiot. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving away from Karamori and his, you know, uh, want to design transforming <laughs> objects, um, 
the thing about Renton that I noticed in the first episode of Week 7 is that it's made very clear what all of the external pressures are on him uh, that makes him dissatisfied with his life. So, for a start, it's his school environment. Secondly, uh, also how he is the son of a great hero who has long since gone. So he's got no father figure. Um, he's got no mother either, nor sister. Um, and his, you know... His fellows at school are always constantly making comparisons like, you're so lame compared to your, you know, your dad. Like, how can you even be from the same family? His grandfather's got, like, you know, a roadmaps out for him already that he's just going to become a mechanic. And funnily enough, even in the first episode, his grandfather, while we don't want him to simply just become a mechanic, because then there would be no story and no show, like, his reasoning is entirely sympathetic in terms of, oh, I lost one son to the military before. Do you think I'm going to lose, like, my grandson, my other, like, you know, the other kid I'm raising to them as well? If he has to play it safe, then he will. So, and and then, of course, his, like, favourite, like, uh, I don't know what the name for the surfboards are, so I'll just call it, like, air surfing spot. Like, you know, his favourite air surfing spot is taken by the military. Like, his world is getting smaller and smaller, so he's feeling like he's getting pressure and wants to burst out from it. I thought that was really, really well done in the first episode of Eric 7. Like, I understood intimately what was going on with him, why he wanted to get out, and also that, you know, the pressure was rising on him to do something. Whereas in this episode, uh, for listeners that is, I really, really struggled to connect with Echo because I didn't feel a sense of what made him the way he is in terms of his, you know, mindset about, oh, you know, always look down on that. Like, we get really? a scene, like, of the mayor yell. Yeah, I I believe that because we he's only telling us it like after the time skip. Like the mayor is yelling that to him, but there doesn't seem to be any like thing that's forcing him to stay, like in terms of, you know, the government or whoever's running this salvage operation. Like he could go anytime he wants. And this is why I have a feeling mm, that this is something sure I hope that. the this is why I think this is something that the show will probably elaborate more on, maybe with flashbacks as it goes along. There's not a lost opportunity for it to develop this. But all we really get is that he tells us that's what he's been told. Um, but we don't see, like, you know, him, like, trying to scavenge the parts for the um, the equipment. He just has it. It's there. It's been built. I, I wish there'd been more build-up to him building that and, like, the, you know, him, like, maybe having parts confiscated or being shunned away from doing it. Like, his sister seems very supportive in general. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he doesn't seem to be in any, like, great... Um, <clears throat> under great pressure, like, you know, to say, take over the bar or anything like that, you know. I, I just felt like there wasn't a lot of external pressure on him, no, really. No, uh, there's whatever not. He's, it's all internal. Whatever, yeah, but what made that internal pressure stick with him? Like, what what well, forces exert that on him even today? Well, he's, he's I feel like we've skipped something that made... Th- like, that that's yes, been, like, the, but what's been drummed We're not into shown him. that. But we see enough. We're not shown yeah, that. Yeah, we, we see, totally we, see enough of it, in my opinion, like, in the first few minutes of the episode. Like... But the thing is, we've got to that, we've got to the point where he says that, that he feels that way. And I believe him, don't get me wrong, but we've skipped the point which shows us him develop, shows him developing star. Like, so in the absence of continual external factors, I'm not saying that it has to go with that Erica 7 formula where we see that as we do with Renton, but in Renton's case, I think that works for him. But in the absence of that, where it's now very internalized, I feel like in order for me to definitely get on board with him, like I wish there'd been more uh, either hints or maybe evidence of him getting to that point. Like maybe an intermediary scene where we see him like not quite as young as he was in the flashback at the gig, but not as old as he is in the current timeline, where he has ambition and ideas, 
but they're drilled out of him for uh, you know drummed out of him for whatever reason. I don't think he ever got I... had them like because from from when he was a little kid like he's had I know it's I thought to me it was very efficient about the way that it conveyed it both in the beginning and like when he's talking to Moo um and how he kind of backs off from what he needs to do um coupled with uh again like how he uh tells us it was for him uh and we see uh kind of what his life is like in the very beginning of the episode to his sort of like very like um sort of uh, what's the right way to put it um uh he's not very assertive um he has been pushed into a shell by uh, his the kind of local community around him and and most people are that way um i think i mean you have the two the two people that are they're watching the robot fight and they shouldn't be but like yeah i think i just think like he's really internalized the message and i thought like to me i thought it was um conveyed uh in a it it did show did enough to convey that to me and i was able to like plug into the character uh you keep doing a really good riff on this stock i appreciate (laughs) but but i could i could play that game too i tell you i'm not i'm not like i think it's gonna be for me it's like kind of a your mileage may vary thing i just felt very cold and felt a bit personal about how it dealt with all this like I didn't feel the connection I did with Renton. Again, I'm not saying it has to execute that in the same way, but I would want it to leave me with that same kind of feeling where I felt I understood him and got on board with it. And I genuinely didn't with Echo. I just thought, oh, okay, he's, you know, he's, like, apathetic. He's re- he's repressed even a little bit, you know. He's got an internalized message. I don't know how he got to that point. Maybe the show will elaborate on that as it goes See, along. I don't even if think, that's the case, I don't even think great. he's apathetic. Like I, I wouldn't use that word so much as like. Well, that's literally what he says. He's like, I don't want to leave. I don't have any needs to leave town. Like, but there's nothing stopping him from going. I'd say that's definitely we'll happy, be, especially um, in the face of what I think. In space, what is, um, you says about like going find the earless. He has the needs to. So like, nah, I'm good. That's apathy to me. Uh well, I think he. I, that seems like a kind of a cr- like sort of a cruel way to characterize it. Um. Or, or maybe just uh, cruel is not the word, but maybe like a like a uncharitable way, because it it feels like he's, you know, I I don't think it's much like he doesn't care so much as like he doesn't feel like he ought to do anything, and that's for other people, and that's not what you should be doing. But but he maybe has a little difference is the better. But word? he has a little. But I think he has a little bit of that flame in there because he's collecting the pieces. And he's building the thing and he thinks equipment and players are amazing. Like he thinks they're cool and like he loves, it's like, you're what I aspire to be. And he has, he said the word literally aspire in um, the Funimation subs. Like, so, I mean, he's got, it's just, there's like a disconnect there because of his shitty upbringing, not from on the part of Swell, but like, just like his kind of belief community and his uh his town is and the local kind of government situation is like pushing all that down to where he doesn't feel like we'd see more of that that's that's the thing though like i wish i had more of that in this very first episode to get me on board with that as i did with eric seven then if there was that external force as you say pushing down on him right oh um it's i mean i don't i'm not sure what more i don't know i in in 
I mean, I guess you could say like there could have been more, but I I just thought the episode was paced so well, and to me it gave me enough of that. Like again, the scene when he's telling us the scene with the mayor talking over them, um, how he uh, responds to Moo's, uh sort of request to go out and and do some some fighting. Like, all that was, like, uh, enough to paint the picture. And guess his kind of general personality and passivity, um, again, like, was... Uh, I, I found it to be, like, enough. Um, I'm repeating myself here, but so we can we can move on to the next point. <laughs> and, you know, you brought up Emily's question, and I'll just say, like, uh, when I first read the question, I thought, oh, no, like, she doesn't like Daisato. That's... Um, uh that i don't that why but like the whole in the time frame i feel like there's an excuse me in your future coming your way no 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 exactly yeah (laughs) that's what i just let me set the record straight yeah no um but it's the (laughs) the time frame hey uh the time frame being like the key part and like I, i checked and it's a 12 episode show so yeah i mean a lot of the Th- are we getting another Sarah Zamai problem? Well, we? a lot of you know, Erica Seven is very long, and that's what the show—that's what the visual references will, you know, point to. But I mean, he's written—he's written for other shows that were shorter. You know, he's um, granted like he only wrote scripts for Fujiko Mine, but that's a shorter show. Um, you know, standalone complex—the uh, story arcs were quite short um, when there were story arcs, so. Uh, and um, Eden of the East, you know, he wrote for that. The, his both Kenji Kamiyama. That was like uh, only like eleven episodes and a couple of OAVs. So, like, I'm, I, I think, um, I, I'm optimistic that he will understand that he's working with a shorter length than what he might be kind of directly referencing with the characters. And you know, I like what you how you uh, juxtaposed Renton and and uh an echo because it made me like realize that there are uh, more so even than erica and moo like differences in these principal cast members you know renton and echo are very different renton is kind of a hothead um whereas echo is very much not that um so there there's to me like there are differences despite like the um the aesthetic similarities and some of the the plot beats yeah i'd be remiss as well if i didn't mention that the very first uh, episode of eric seven is blue monday uh, which i'm fairly certain is a new order song that is correct although i think that that's where the musical reference is kind of i mean there's like tape one and tape two is the ad break interstitials in eric seven but the, really the music for that just feels like uh the musical references rather feel like a, a gloss of paint if you will um whereas they are much more embedded into DNA of listeners. Somewhat to its detriment, I would argue, but I'm going to save that for a separate point, um, which I'll get to in get, a little get while. Get to it now. Um, get to it now. Well, I think just to uh, say with Emily's point there about like finishing the time frame, I haven't seen all of Erica 7, so I can't really comment on like what that, where that story goes and if it's necessary to have that many episodes to do. I'd like to assume so. I mean, we are in the time now where anime doesn't really get, um, you know, any more than two seasons max, unless you're Fruits Basket, I suppose, which has got four full seasons booked in, uh, which is good because Fruits Basket is amazing and I really, really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Or if you're Shield Hero, in which case, you know, 
well, one more reason to hate like you know our timeline as it is but <laughs> yeah never mind stuff, never mind stuff seems to be getting if it gets multiple seasons there's like a break between them yeah that seems to be more and more common than 50 you know an entire year's worth of anime being produced and also i'd wager that erica 7 was not uh adapted from a manga that's a, no that's a wild guess no. on my part i, I believe it was an original word yes yeah good luck getting the original work that's that many episodes <laughs> in, in this current uh in this current climate so purely in terms of like you know the way in which anime is made like i would hope that whatever story uh daisato is planning on telling with this uh he can do it i'm gonna be optimistic as you are doc not because i like i had no idea who actually created this show uh, or did the main composition for it until you told me and given his like you know um given his prodigious credits i think it's worth putting some faith into him as i say like the problems i have with this episode like i really wish it hit the ground running much much more in the way that erica seven did not in the, by doing it the same way but rather with leaving me that same sense of engagement which i didn't have with this but that's not to say that it can't be fixed in the next few episodes and have me more on board as a result um so we'll see i'd like to believe so um the comparisons i have with erica 7 are ultimately unfavorable in towards listeners in general i would argue um Although I will admit that for all that I have problems with listeners like, you know, embedding like the idea of music and particularly the references to bands and terminology so deeply into its own like design as a show. I think that's a problem. I'm at least, you know, willing to give it the credit for be willi- being willing to do so to go all in on that, uh, which is good. As opposed to Erica it's like, hey, we've got A, a side, B side, why not? But again, maybe the music facts is more into Erica 7 later on than I'm giving it credit for right now because I don't know. Yeah, I just remember. We will see. I, I remember it's it's a very stylish show. I, I didn't, maybe it was just my cultural ignorance at the time. I don't recall a ton of like direct references that are like done in this same way uh, as they're done here. Like very just out there and upfront um in the way that you know like you were saying jojo's is with its musical references um and you know uh oh gosh i had another point about erica seven but i don't remember what it was we can carry on though fair enough so that brings us to the end of our patron questions thank you very much for if you want to become a friend of the pod, that's a really, really high yeah, amount of time. But there's an easier way to do it. There is an easier way to do it, folks. And that is if you want to check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Warrior Get yourself on the free dollar tier or higher. You'll get yourself access to our Discord. And in turn, you can then ask us questions about shows we're covering as we do so. So you can get questions week on week about listeners or whatever show we end up covering for um, our next season of Second Stream, which is our patron-only podcast. Get yourself access to that as well on the $5 tier. Um, we've yet to decide which one that I'll actually be yeah we're going to be doing that yeah. live on the <laughs> pod <laughs> you know two two anime enter one anime leaves it's we're going to get beyond thunderdome hell will yes we, will we end up <laughs> flipping a coin in google <laughs> that's the ultimate question will we have a preference i thought you and me were going to fight out like spock and kirk in that one episode <laughs> um we'll see stay tuned for that Mind you, we're having to, you know, isolate ourselves in our homes, so maybe that'll be a bit difficult. I'll play you at Red Alert. Fuck it, that'll do. <laughs> that. So yeah, definitely check out our Patreon, folks. Uh, see if uh, anything takes your fancy. Plenty of good stuff coming along in there. All right. So you mentioned about the talking point I had about uh, listeners and its use of terminology and music. 
Right, okay. <clears throat> Let's reference back to Given for a moment. Um, Given referenced pretty much like a song and episode with its, um, title, with its episode titles. And it also had, in the very cute way that, you know, uh, ja- like Japanese anime often references things like McDenny's, for example, or McDonald's. Like it referenced, I don't remember what the Arctic Monkeys riff was. I'm going to presume they were the... I don't know, the frigid chimpanzees or something like that, but they were definitely referenced in one of the albums that Rainy Am was on. Here's the thing, right? All of the like musical references in that show made perfect sense because it was a show partly about music and connecting through that. Now, you might say, well, isn't that listeners? And I'd say, possibly. But I kind of had a real issue with a lot of the terms that the show used here. Like You mentioned that they were not like completely novel things, like novel words made up for the purpose of the show's fiction. And that that can, if that's the case, that can become really difficult to like, you know, pass as an audience member, particularly in the first episode, because you do then have to have someone to have expedition to see like, what's this mean? Like, you know, what does this term stand for? So keeping it simple can have its benefits, but I think it also kind of robs the show of a little bit of identity as well. Like this is its gig form, you know, there's their players, there's equipment, they're earless, like it doesn't feel like there's a lot of creativity invested in the show's like lore and fiction here, to be quite honest. Like I would have preferred either the words be a bit more esoteric, like to the point where they're not so simple as gig, like, you know, or equipment, for example. Like equipment's such a plain term for me that I I wish it had just been called an amp, to be honest. Because that would have actually fit the idea of what they do with the giant robots. Like they become able to do more things with it as a result, like become more powerful. Whereas equipment just feels too bland for my taste. So I think they'll probably be different, I'd... like more than amps, perhaps. We will see. Well, I mean, like, I, I mean, like, the term "amp" would have suited instead of "equipment" for the giant robot, like, you know, because it would have <clears throat> not been so broad as "equipment" is as a term, and it would have fit the motif of what happens with a giant robot, which has become more powerful. That's that's the thing I'm trying to say there. So, I kind of had a problem with how this show struggled to me seem to get its own identity. I mean, like when you, God, like. I that's basically all I have to say on that really like for the moment like I wish there'd been more use of like either novel words or different words that weren't quite so plain just to give the show a bit more flavor uh oh additionally I should stress like I don't understand why they're referencing Oasis in this like I understand I, I think like you know throwing in band names and such can be fun for the kitsch like I understand that's like a Jojo's thing definitely but they're only really mentioned as names. They're not really otherwise, like, part of the DNA of the show. Like, uh, yeah, there are some characters who play guitar, like uh, Chili Pepper, for example, or whoever his stand users. I can't remember his fucking name. You know, the one that, the one that looks like, you know, uh, <clears throat> like uh, Amped Up uh, Tweety from Sylvester and Tweety, you know, the electric one. Um, <clears throat> like, he plays a guitar. Okay, fair play. But JoJo's, like, music references are just for the kitsch. But listeners kind of, for me, occupies that weird uncanny valley where... It is about music, but it's not enough about it to justify referencing Oasis outright in the way they do, including matching the font. It's strange. It occupied like an odd, odd space in my head where I was like, I didn't appreciate what they were trying to do with it, um, which sounds very mean on my part. It probably is because I don't like I'm not like trying to, you know, come down too hard on someone who's clearly enamored to the point where they want to, you know, use Oasis both as the name of the bar and also reference the actual band's logo. Like, that's... It can only ever be a good thing, but 
I wish there was more behind what's going on to justify that. And again, this is something that might happen over time. Like, we at the moment, for example, only know that the Aeolists are the big existential threat. They're the Klaxosaurs of this show. Yeah, I'm getting the Franks reference in. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Um, I have to say, by the way, like in terms of like shows that we've covered on Stream of Thought, I have a feeling this episode gave me the most like Frank's like memories, at least. And I'm talking specifically about covering the first episode of sure. Frank's, in which I felt kind of mute. Yeah, like from a design standpoint, and that it's a robot show. Like I got those two. This was a far better episode. Yeah. Than any, I was like, I wish Frank's was this. <laughs> well, it was less less stupid than Frank's, that's for sure. But I I think like you know. Like, what are the A-list ultimately going to represent? Like, I wish there was more to it at this point. Again, yeah, well, give it some time. Yeah, it. give it some time. Yeah, I, I think I, I know, but uh, like, you know, there a lot of what you're saying. You know, I think we got to give the show a little bit of rope to uh, to demonstrate. There's a, you know, first episode. You got to do a lot of things, please a lot of different people, establish a lot of different things, and pull in, you know, different people. Uh, with with different things and kind of have to have more going on more different things going on than you usually do in any given other episode of the show so like yeah i'm in terms of the lore like i'm willing to to give it time i mean i understand what you're saying about the um kind of very straightforward nature of it it didn't bother me i thought like i appreciate sort of the silliness of it like the, the the spirited silliness of it um and I will, I will take it any day of the fucking week as long as we don't get nonsense. You know, it's the Flugenglorben. Like, ah, put it into oh, the yeah. Chuber Doob. <laughs> like, God, fuck off yeah. with that. No, thank you. Yeah, we, no techno battle. I am very much in agreement with that. There's, there's, there's a fine line to be balanced, I think, here, you know, to be, to be hit. I know what you mean, though. Like, trying about, to... like, giving it something with a little bit more bite or pizzazz. Yeah, yeah, putting putting some spice into it basically, like, and I have to say as well, just as a side note, um, this size and also my my issue with trying to find the identity of this show and really struggling. Like, I made that Battle Angel Alita joke and that Witcher joke and that Near joke, all mostly in jest, but also with a hint of truth that I found it difficult to find what this show ultimately has that makes it stick out without making me think of other things. I'm sorry, but I cannot believe for a second that those three we meet at the end of this episode were not directly inspired by uh, Nier Osmar. It's the point where if someone were to say they were a ripoff, apart from the giant robot element, I would not, like, I would see where they're coming from. I would disagree, but, like, it's not a case of where I could fly and go, no, you're talking nonsense. Like, I could kind of see where they're coming from with that. Oh, the designs are I 100%, mean, like, like, referencing that in a unambiguous way <laughs> there's no doubt yeah um, so 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 what point so i suppose the question we have to ask there is at what point does um it become a homage or is it a ripoff um i i'm not sure and i'm gonna have to wait for the rest of the show to play out to get a proper handle on that but yeah i i feel like this show to me like with all these things i've mentioned like the very plain terminology the fact that you know i swear to god like the conversation that played out between the mayor and Mew, like it felt like i was listening to Geralt again and any random you know town folk coming in and saying we don't like your witcher kind here like oh i like that i thought that was very like that is what would happen if beings like players existed yeah i i suppose it is what happened to 
women that were gifted healers in our, you know, in the real American times, you know, they're like, ah, oh, you're a fucking witch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like kill you. Um, sort of that whole problem of not being able to disambiguate the, the problem from the solution to the problem when you don't really understand either one or how they work. Like, I don't know it felt very, again, like, ah, uh, like if the world was set up like this, I would expect people to, to fear, to fear these, these beings players. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it doesn't make any logical sense here. It, it absolutely does. As you say, at least even within, you know, what the show has um, presented to us thus far, but, I feel like that, you know, sometimes making too much sense can be a detriment if it makes things feel indistinct. Mm. I feel like as much as like, you know, I like the idea of like, hey, you know, you've got an amp that turns into a giant robot. That's all that currently the show has really given me in terms of what makes it feel unique, like that makes it stick out to me and everything else feels honestly kind of derivative. I Yeah, I'm sorry, but that's how it sure. Uh, that's how it feels yeah. to me. I get, I get where you're coming from. Like I. I guess I just don't like n- novelty. Isn't necessarily a thing I'm looking for uh, out of this. Like, uh, I just with Daisato especially. Like, I think like I have a lot of expectations for the, the execution, um, and I I am again still feeling optimistic that we will get that. I'm willing to let you know. I, I'm not going to judge like if if there are elements in the show that this episode like there weren't enough or whatever like my mantra right now is like get we'll give it time you know we'll give it some episodes you know um but uh for for what was there and what was established uh it gave me uh, gave me a lot of hope that i'm gonna that i'm gonna like the show and again i think the the execution on what has been established will be quite good but but yeah no it's it is definitely like it's got its references from east and west and they're very uh you know they're billboards they're very obvious uh to see and i mean whether or not the they get played with in in a meaningful way we'll see um you know if they don't and there's just referential like it's just uh you know in the way that a lot of music is you know what i mean like a lot of pop music uh when you are referencing a different song it's not because you want to do something amazing with it. It's just you want to cover it or you want to just be a reference of it. You know well, what I mean? You know, that's that's funny. That's how I describe listeners as I see it right now, which is it's just kind of an average cover of things I've seen elsewhere. And it doesn't feel very much like its own thing yet. But we will see. We'll see. Um, I suppose I should also get my other talking power out of the way, which is to talk about the comedy. And... I hear what you said before about like the idea of it subverting, that it wasn't ultimately about the intimate parts or anything like that. It was just, you know, uh, a base and switch. I like a bit of naughty humor but... when done when done in a way that isn't um, just exploitative or yucky. <laughs> I, the thing is, though, like, the way that uh, particularly the, oh, check out her whole scene played out, I was like... I'm so seen this done it before, even if it is a mild subversion that he's not really referring to that. Like he is still violating her privacy and she still punches him out in the way that they always do. It felt very tired to me, that kind of humor. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying again that I'm a complete purist here. I'm quite the 
quite the opposite, believe me. Like, a good bit of naughty humour every now and again is always welcome, or even shows that are entirely about that. I mean, I still think, um, God, what was it called again? Why can I not remember it? Shinometa. Thank you. Thank you for that. Like, Shinometa is entirely that, and that's great for it. That's absolutely fantastic. The cum cookies. Um, Hey... (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I, you know, I'm not a prude, but I think that this ties into something I said in Kabukicho Sherlock. And by the way, me referencing that heinous like atrocity of a show, um, oh I'm not referencing it as a comparison of quality here, but more just to reillustrate a point I made back then, which is that for me, a lo- like the best kind of comedy is the kind that is crafted inside the fiction of the. Um, work itself like repeated character gags like this character's a screw up and such and such you know and they keep making like silly goofy mistakes despite how they try uh kagushi goto which uh, we will be talking about had an example of this where it had a, like an example where there was humor that i felt was kind of crass because it was relying on that kind of like you know common like you know comedy playbook kind of thing in society that's tired lazy and also as in Kakushiko's case, transphobic, but we'll get to that when we talk about it later in the week. Um, and then it had an example where, oh, uh, this character's trying to escape their past and yet it literally hits them in the face. And I found that really funny. Um, so there are examples of shows that actually do both, um, you know, the bad and the good kind. And the thing about, like, you know, the whole idea of, oh, this girl's got, like, you know, a thing hidden under a skirt or something like that, or, hey, check out my junk, which, I, by the way, I wished I'd actually been literally what they said because I'd have probably found it somewhat funny as opposed to and not. There was a... Uh, not to toot my own heart there was too a, much, There was a here. third moment also, which was um, sort of a little bit like it it was a single moment but the lines the the opening line and the joke and the punchline were kind of separated by other parts like there was a like do you remember when echo was showing her his amp that he put together um and he's like look at this isn't it incredible and he plunks it down and shows it that was that was and then a little bit later she's like it's kind of small or maybe it's it's just lame <laughs> and he's just sad and I was like I don't know like I I, I, I yeah I that. found that funny because that wasn't that was a good joke like he, he really yes. tried with that one that was that was good no but he's the not other just two talking instances. about his amp he's talking about this is a joke about his penis God it's about his, <laughs> it's, about his it's about his condenser microphone <laughs> so yeah no they had a lot like of those dumb like double entendre uh i say dumb lovingly because um yeah I, I you know and the first joke in particular like you said where he's like he sees um the uh the jack on her hip and he sort of has to move the cover to get a better look at it and it's like she thinks that he's like doing so so it's walking a fine line right of uh sort of uh questionableness and maybe that one was a little bit over but i still found it funny and uh again i, th- I thought like yeah it, the it felt like a little again just a, it doesn't take a lot but like just a little bit more effort at like cleverness of the misunderstandings were were put into how the jokes were written so it made me giggle Maybe I'm uh, simple. Yeah, <laughs> simple man. No, 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 no. Oh, is is comedy is very much the most subjective thing one can talk about when it comes to fiction. So take it from me, folks. Like my criticisms of this, like you know, if you feel differently, then that's absolutely fine and, and good for you. Like you know, I'm glad that people do find it funny. But I think that this also ties into my issue with the show's first episode in that it is the first episode. So 
when we're already dealing with humor that is very much like you know to me tired and relies on the old tropes that we've seen before of oh check looks up the skirt and then gets punched in the face if that's what you're opening with it doesn't like speak much to me like it doesn't really like sell the show to me really as having its own kind of inventive unique brand of humor I mean, I will grant, as you say, though, that it is not, strictly speaking, like, you know, oh, he literally saw the actual naughty parts, you know. Um, It's not quite that. He doesn't realize what he's doing. (laughs) He's just a dumbass. Yeah, he is also, he's also innocent Uh enough. So there there are those points in its favor, but it is still ultimately reaching, in my opinion, for the same overall outcome, especially with the way she reacts, which is to punch him in the face. And by the way, that is not me saying that she shouldn't have done that. She absolutely should. But fiction can be wherever it needs to be, of course. So I would have preferred that the humour be a bit more inventive than relying on this old trope again. Uh, and also the similar thing later, I was like, is that also the like the pitch or the timbre of the humour we're going to get? Yeah, I can do references to musical stuff as well. Come at me. Uh, is that like what we're going to get over and over here rather than any more crafted stuff? I mean, I've been watching Utena recently, and I'm sorry to keep bringing up Ikahara works. It feels unfair. It's like bringing, you know, a shotgun to a knife fight. Um, but, like, you know, you get, like, repeated gags in that one, or gags that involve, like, creative camera work, uh, or absurdist moments like where, oh, suddenly there's a boxing kangaroo here. Like, you know, there's a lot of con- well-constructed crafted humor that relies on your understanding of the fiction and the way the world has been built up and the rules inside yeah. of it. Whereas here, it's just like, oh, we're going to go straight for, he's looking at an intimate area, just not the intimate area that you might necessarily think is. I'm like, can we not be a bit more creative? Oh, I think that's all super now, unfair. Like, just because the show hasn't had time to establish its universe I or fiction. Know, uh, I know, So it can't I have know. that kind of comedy. But like, but you're leveling the criticism. Uh, it, the very criticism is the thing that it cannot, it literally cannot do because... It has not. I time disagree. To I think it establish itself, um, and it's not an absurd show I either. Disagree. It can, it's not going to like. You're not going to turn around and see like, you know, I don't know, the raisin bran mascot handing out firecrackers or some other like really absurd weirdness. Like that's just not. That's not Daisato. That's not what the show is going to be. No, no, no. I'm. I'm not saying it needs to be like Utena. Uh, what I'm just saying is that. I wish that the humor was a bit more inventive than what it currently is. Okay, that's a different. Uh, that is a different, on. broader kind of set than it needs to be based on stat rules that have been established in the universe already. Um, no, by by when I say rules, I don't even mean necessarily like how the world works, but just more like character stuff. Like, and granted, that is to somewhat done here with how Echo is like completely innocent. But I just wish it wasn't then played into with something I've seen a thousand times before and don't really care for you need a lot of repeated like you need a lot of time for a running gag to actually work like if you do the full metal alchemist like thing where they do a repeating gag inside an episode it just gets fucking old really quick so like running gags yeah like you got to give it time to like you know set the foundation do the gag later have an appropriate moment to do the gag again you know that kind of thing so um uh yeah like <laughs> um it is i guess a fair uh a, f- a fair thing to bring up though is like you know do you feel like this is sort of the tip of the iceberg and it's only gonna get kind of more raunchy 
as far as the humor goes, which, I mean, we'll see. That That's to be seen. There's a moment that I did quite like, again, that I thought was very comedic and very, like, efficiently portrayed when um, he is, uh, when Echo kind of undoes his overalls to pull out his book, his junk, as you say, um, and she covers up <laughs> and she's like, no, don't show it to me, and then turns and looks at him and realizes he's holding this book, and then she gives him a look like, oh my god, you really... You really don't understand these situations, do you? And I think that is referencing back to the first time because it's sort of cumulative and building on itself. Like, because we have the boy uh, Echo who doesn't understand those kind of uh, the the double the double meaning of a lot of the things he's doing, or or the perceived kind of meaning in a social situation of of doing those things. So, like getting close, trying to take a peek at the the Jack. Oh, punch! Uh, I'm going to punch you. Oh, wait a minute. You just didn't even realize what you were doing. And then it happened again. And just that quick look that she gave him for like a couple of frames of like, oh my God, like, I hate you. <laughs> like, you don't, you really are just that innocent. <laughs> Damn it. Like, I yeah. love that expression. I, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose the final thing I'll say is that what it reminded me of a little bit, but not entirely, was the crude humor in Made in Abyss, which phenomenal show. Don't get me wrong, but the scenes like, for example, with, I don't remember the lead man's name, checking out, like, uh, Reg's junk. The literal junk, even though he is a robot. Oh, I'm cringing thinking (laughs) about that scene. Like, it reminded me of that. It wasn't as bad as that, but it reminded me of that in the same way, in the the absence of coming up with their own comedy. And maybe I'm being too strict in what I mean by rules and such. Like, I'm talking maybe more the rules of comedy inside the... Um, the show itself, like, you know, how it builds things up. And it, I think that is possible to do even within the first episode. Um, not, like, maybe for more than one gag, but I probably need to maybe flesh this more out uh, in actual, like, proper article form or something to truly get what I'm trying to say here. Um, I certainly don't think it's so it's strict. It's hard as, like, to it's, talk about you know, comedy. I find it very difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, I rem- the, the thing I'm saying about Made in the Abyss is it reminded me of that, where in the absence of coming up with their own, like, you know, this is humor very specific to this show, which I suppose is what I'm really trying to get at here, where it feels like its own unique thing. Like, you could point to, like, the stuff, for example, I mentioned in Utena, like the boxing kangaroo, or anything involving Choo Choo, for example. That's Utena. That's unique to right. that. You won't really see that elsewhere. You can point to similar comedic beats in other Ikuhara shows because it's the same creator, but it's very much a thing that's specific to that work. Whereas what I see here, save for the little bit of like the asterisks of like, oh, he's actually innocent and he's not really looking at her, you know, actual private parts. Or he's gonna he's not gonna pull out his dick <laughs> and show it Thank to her. Fuck for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Like, like with, like with made the abyss. That's not humor that's unique to the show. Oh, that's a high bar, it's... man. <laughs> if you if you want every show to make like craft its own brand of comedy unique to the story, like that's that feels difficult. That feels very hard. It, it is. I'm not going to pretend it isn't. But and I, I'm also going to say there's not occasionally a time for a silly fart joke or whatever if it's justified. But. I'm also, again, pointing out this is the first episode, so it needs to leave a strong impression mm. on me without also giving away search, which I will also confess is very hard. I'm not trying to belittle or, like, you know, make light of how difficult it is to get a first episode out that hits all the right notes without giving away everything too early. 
But I think the problem with Listener's Episode 1 for me was it didn't give me enough of what I need to connect with Echo as a character. And it similarly also didn't distinguish itself enough in a way that I felt like, you know, made it didn't seem like it was derivative or, you know, at least gave it some of its own unique identity. Like, it feels like too much like other things rather than its own thing. Like, the comedy, seen it all done before. Like, the Nero Smart stuff, the Witcher stuff, the Battle Angel Elite stuff. Like, it just feels to me like uninspired is the word I would use for it. That's the that's the final word I would use to describe this episode, which doesn't make it bad, I should stress, by the way. I still enjoyed my time with it, but it's probably, in my opinion, as far as stream of thought, like shows we've covered, one of the weaker opening episodes we've covered. It ain't Frank's episode one, it's better than that. But of all the other things that we've covered in our mainline series, I think it's probably like the second worst behind Frank's. Yeah, we've covered a lot of Which really good bad shows. Um, and that again, hard, 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 like you know, hard competition to be in, like with all the good stuff we have covered. I, I think the like yeah. for me, all those things that you pointed out that you saw before, like are mostly I think the like visual design choices, and I think in terms of the characters themselves, I, I thought that they were like. Are you ever going to find a truly unique character in anime? Like, who could say? But like, um, I'm not saying they're like, oh, it's first episode. They were, they were these totally. I've never seen anything like these characters before. But they didn't feel like, um, like one note tropes. Both of our leads and, um, the visual design, like you said, like some of it was, um, referential, but it was also pleasing to me. I it was very appealing, um. And I like the characters. The world is kind of a cool, like, thing that we've gotten. I mean, we we don't have any connective tissue uh, in terms of, like, putting together a whole picture. Um, But we've seen, you know, we've seen bits of it. And we've seen different elements of it. And there are elements that I thought were were super cool. And we haven't even gotten to the thing that really made the whole episode work for me, which was the spectacle at the end, the giant robot fight. And the fact that, like, you have this, like, sort of tinker, uh, tinkered up robot, like you said, just made out of junk and spare parts, which end up looking so cool and so unique. That's the unique thing to me is the robot design. And then the the earless, which I thought were, uh, again, I really like the design. And then that moment when they kind of all encircled the robot and it's just like wailing away on uh, on the guitar. The music was so good. And you have Moo riding on the shoulder of the robot, not in the cockpit, not controlling it from the sideline, but like on the shoulder. I thought that was really a cool pilot placement. And I, I can't really think of another robot show that's done that. And uh, the, the fight scene, the way that, that it took them out um, was so really awesome looking. It was, uh, you know... It was the spectacle from the beginning of the episode, but in a fully fleshed out way that we could see it. Uh, and I thought it was tremendous. It really got me going. And I was like, yes, I am up for more of this. More of this, please. Like, I, you know, it, it just made everything come together and was a beautiful note to end the show on. Fair enough, then. I, fair place, you, Doc. Like, you know, it's, it's going to be a your mileage may vary thing. And I'm not gonna you know say you're wrong or anything like that absolutely not i think for me like like i say i enjoyed my time with it but i feel like it didn't stick out in my memory like i it felt kind of forgettable and i think the other thing as well is that again a lot to ask for the first episode but 
I remember like watching, for example, Promise Neverland episode one. And I was like, holy crap, I must see oh, what happens God, next. Yeah. Or, yeah. Vin- or Vinland Saga episode. Holy crap, I must see what happens yeah. next. Yeah. And I think that Those are in some way this is an intentional... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think i think in some way like you know this is a intended part of the way the show is constructed that they're off to parts unknown without any real set goal that's um, that's actually intentional that's the feature not a bug as you say um but like i don't have this feeling that i'm in any real rush to see what happens next i am of course concerned i do want to see it but i don't feel like propelled to it like mm-hmm. impatient mm-hmm. And again, lots to ask for a first episode. It's you know, it's difficult. It's it's tough. I've been very critical of this show, haven't I? And I must say, like, I did still enjoy my time with it overall. Don't get me wrong, um, but I feel like it's like I've said before. I find it the most difficult as a critic to be in the situation where I'm not actively hating on a show, but I'm not actively like loving it either. Like I'm just feeling kind of on it the ACA-13 effects, as I once described it. And that's kind of where I am now, which... It took me, like, oh half dear. a dozen episodes, if not more, to get into Erica 7. I I thought the beginning of it was very ho-hum at the time. It could have just been me in the place I was. Like, again, I haven't watched it in a long time, so I might revisit it and be like, oh, man, this was heck, great. I, it, yeah, yeah, heck, if you want me to be bluntly honest, like... I watched Erica 7 because Emily like mentioned it as a question. I thought I need to have some knowledge of this going into this question. And I was therefore watching it with a frame of reference to listeners in itself. And so therefore I can't say that I raced it like objectively quote unquote, because I was watching it specifically as a frame of reference to something else rather than on its own merits. So in turn, don't take my opinion of Erica 7 as episode 1 to be sacrosanct either, because I really enjoyed it. I thought it was superior in every way that mattered to Listener's Episode 1, but would I have had the same opinion had I not just been watching it as Listener's Episode 1 and watching Erica 7 for that purpose? It's kind of crazy when you kind of <laughs> think about it in this way, isn't it? Holy... <laughs> context ah. you can't watch things in the vacuum reviewers really are imperfect <laughs> beings and not like you know the the science of like you know quality that people make out to be the view for fuck's nowhere. sake we don't have it um I, well i'm hopeful that like erica seven um like eventually became something that i considered uh an all-time like favorite and like a new kind of classic in the mecha genre uh i'm hopeful that th- this one will win you over um and exceed uh and exceed my expectations like again i i don't like i don't think i mean it's so too early to say like what what the show even is in terms of like i mean quality and writing and like what it's you know where will it rank in the pantheon of, of mecha show i mean i don't know i thought this first episode was super entertaining um and I got a lot out of it. We will see how it goes. And yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope Daisato wins you over. Well, he's done a lot of good work in the past. There's no reason, you know, to douse him now. Let's have some faith in the man, yeah, you know? Yeah, let's hope uh, the so Ajin Demi-Human Ando-san is not like, <laughs> uh, you know, being the external pressure that you spoke of on Daisato, throwing his scripts away. Like, no, oh, make, it, make it more mediocre. <laughs> It's too good. Oh no, we don't, we don't, we don't want that. Oh, no. oh. I'm sorry, but this, this is too good. We want it diluted exactly. as fuck. It must be this. Need, this needs to be the 
this needs to be the diet Pepsi of anime. Oh, oh, shade oh, on that's, that's Pepsi. A, that's a, <laughs> well, then, like, if, well, if this is if this to me is diet Pepsi, like, how would you describe Frank's? Was that like secondhand bath yeah. water? Lukewarm piss. I don't know. <laughs> the yellow yeah. kind as well. There's your venom image. Oh Ooh. God! Right. Anyway, well, I think that concludes our discussion. Yeah. Then, do you have any other points actually you want to add, Doc? Are we Are we good? I, you know, I, yeah, I brought up all the main points I wanted to. Um, is it time to rate the episode? It is. Uh, this is the point where I think you will scream at me. I am so sorry. <laughs> do you want to give your rating first, or do you? Want, no, you I'll give first. mine first because that way, then you, because then we get to end on what will undoubtedly be a higher rating from you and a more positive note. So, um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to do this. Oh dear. Right then, I am going to give episode one of listeners. 2.5 giant musical note statues out of five. I would have given it a three were it not for the comedic elements that I found questionable. They are the sole thing that put it down to very much middle of the road. Bear in mind I use the Hull Buffalo. The lowest mark I ever gave, I think, was one to one episode of Frank's, the one where they said, children of the future, I basically (laughs) want to throw my monitor out. Oh, that one. I want to throw my monitor out of the... (laughs) That that was that was a rough fucking episode. That's a negative that. number. I that was that was a shite fest. But no, um, I as I say, like, I feel like that the show didn't have a strong enough identity for me right out of the gate. It really needed like first episodes to me, like, they need to leave a lasting impression that makes me want more. And I just felt like this was so much of other things I'd seen elsewhere and not much of its own, like, unique flavor. Like, yeah, I know, like, you know, we've seen all these things elsewhere in, in stuff before, like, you know, and originality is dead, you can't do anymore. But it, to me, feels like, you know, the ingredients shouldn't stick out so much, if that makes any sense. Sure, it can be, and, yeah, I understand. It could be distracting if it's, yeah. I, 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 I do see that point. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and I wish that, like I say, there was more, like, you know, flavor in the terminology and the world that was going on. Like, I, I wish that I connected more with Echo rather than just feeling very distant to what was going on with him because it just kind of felt like we had cut content, so to speak, that fleshed him deleted out. Deleted scenes. And, uh, deleted scenes, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, but I am hopeful that the show will improve. It's There's no reason it can't. There's nothing in this episode that I actively dislike, save for the comedic elements, but I think that my dislike of them was not so much, you know, me spitting, like, you know, at the screen, but rather just, like, you know, feeling very tired by them, because I've seen it before, uh, which ties into my overall point that I wish that this show had something more to it, like, in terms of, like, having an identity rather than just many different things I've seen elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, feel free to email into worriedashra at gmail.com. Tell me that I'm completely full of it, because you know what, you're probably right, to be quite honest. Um, but anyway, yeah, 2.5 from me. The lowest score I've given mm. in quite some time. I bet a lot of people in our Discord will feel that way. Um, but I probably, I guess I'm the high the high person on the show. Like, I'm going to give it four and a half for this episode I, mm. I as a debut i thought it was really promising it was super solid and i got a, a core duo that i like a whole lot and got uh as as you know like you i do think like making an impression is important and i think the characters and then that one sequence of 
I keep wanting to say Renton now that we've talked about Erica Seven, but uh, but Echo, (laughs) uh, like Echo, um, kind of finding his way as he thinks he's about to die, and then like uniting up with with Moo into the giant robot fight. Like I found that all really exhilarating, Um, and because we got that character moment before it was like an uh, like it felt like it resonated a little bit more with me than just if it were simply the robot fight um which was good enough uh but that was there was like an additive quality to it such that like again i've talked a lot about the fuck yeah jump off my couch meter and that got me up that got me (laughs) out of my chair fist pumping like that whole fight was incredible for me it was really good um so yeah, I'm into it. Like, I want to see who, what this Jimmy Stone free character, who I guess used to live in that town, is all about. <laughs> I want to see the oh near automata folks and what their deal is. Um, well, they is is their goal to become as gods? It I must wonder. be. It must be. M- I, musical rock God. gods. <laughs> you you are so right. I wager, by the way, Mew is going to turn out to be uh, one of those from the yeah. same group, and we will have a flashback of her wearing a face cloth. Not too totally. From That's the ones that, that they is have. exactly what I thought. That she's like the missing band member. Oh shit! Is it is it the reunion? It's, it is the reunion. Oh man, getting the band back together, whether they like That's it right. or not. That's right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of our discussion. Uh, we will be putting up polls. Uh, they may not be up at the time that this podcast comes out, but we will notify you separately via Twitter. Uh, to everyone listening at home, thank you so much for joining us to cover Listeners Episode 1. We will definitely be back next week to cover Episode 2. If you've enjoyed this podcast and are looking to support us financially, uh, first off, I'd like to mention that you don't have to because it is tough times for everyone right now. We'd rather you keep your money where it's needed most. But if you do ultimately want to do that, uh, feel free to jump over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash warriordeshow. Get yourself access to our Discord for $2 at a minimum. For all the higher tiers, you can get access to our ad-free episodes, such as this one, uh, our second stream podcast, which will either be on uh, yesterday or um, was Kakushi Goso, as I mentioned before. We're going to decide that live on air in a bloody fight (laughs) to the death. Um, so that's going to be interesting and you can also then request us to cover specific anime if you subscribe to the highest tier of $5 uh, you can ask us questions week on week about the shows that we cover all sorts of good stuff coming along there if you're otherwise wanting to support us in a way that's not financial uh, that is also great definitely uh, thank you for that you can do so by just simply subscribing to our um, Spotify subscribe to our YouTube you know like, rate, follow, share you know do all the social media buttons smash your head against the keyboard so everyone knows about us um, any constructive feedback is also very welcome also and you can leave that on our Twitter uh, Doc where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at the subtle doctor on Twitter please uh at me and support listeners together with me. <laughs> and if you want to join the, uh, you know, having a tepid feeling on listeners, which doesn't quite sound as, uh, you know, counterculture as otherwise I'd like, you know, is in some way, like, I know this sounds crazy, but I wish I actually hated this show because then I feel like we could have more of a, you know, a chemistry going on here. But right now I'm just kind of like, eh, it was, it was okay. It was fine. 
of a, and that's the worst place to be as a critic. So if you want to be sitting on the fence with me, you can feel free to do so by following me at Shade and Ten Ten on Twitter, and uh, you can talk to me about anything and everything. I mean, you know, we've got plenty of time for it. Why now? Why the hell not? Um, otherwise, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, that we are in tough times all around at the moment with what's going on with COVID-19. Um, so I will just say to everyone listening to this podcast, whether you're listening to Out and About, if you are able to get out or at home, uh, however you're doing so, we really appreciate appreciate taking the time to do so um, at the moment, like given what's going on. And I hope that you all stay safe. You look after yourselves. You look after your loved ones. Uh, we will get through this. You know, it's not. I'm not going to pretend it's not going to be a rough time until we do, but we will come out of this far, you know, in the end and we'll all be okay for it, i reckon i'll have things to look forward to um and i hope you'll be there along with us as we go through listeners uh during this time so yeah take care everyone look after yourselves look after your loved ones look after your friends and family and as we're often fond of saying on this podcast and this is the first time we've made a macross reference uh, apart from shoji karamori referencing this podcast this particular episode which to me is quite surprising actually in hindsight <laughs> but we'll talk about it next time uh as we're often fond of saying embrace Trevor, everyone it's the end of the universe and good night. Bring back the brothers.